0: When you think of the Muslim religion, what's the first thing comes into your mind? Uh, Terrorists. Okay. What was the What's the first one? I don't understand the first one. ISIS. ISIS. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they proclaim. And uh, Allah. Yeah. What image comes in your mind when you think of Muslims? The Berthas, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, certainly, uh, some of the great um, catastrophic events that has happened in the world, uh, we think about that. Think about 9-11. And, uh, and what happens is, is that it, it, gives us a perspective of the Islamic religion, uh, that the majority of the Islamic, uh, or the Muslims would not want you to think of. uh, uh the majority of the Muslims are, uh, peacemaking people. Uh, whether we think that or not, because we recognize the surreal uh, events that has taken place in in our life and uh, uh, that has brought about great uh, animosity, I think, among other kinds of faith. And so uh, the Muslims believe that Islam is the very first religion that has ever was from creation. Uh, they go all the way back and they believe that that is the first uh, original religion and that the first prophet uh, since the beginning of time was to submit to Allah. And, uh, of course, uh, Allah are called uh, Muslims or uh, uh, he was a prophet that... Uh, appointed thousands of Muslims down through the years to uh, guide mankind. Uh, mankind had uh, habitually, seemingly had strayed away from Allah's uh, teachings. And uh, about the year of A.D. 610, um, uh, Allah sent the last prophet, which would be Mohammed. You've heard of Mohammed before. Mohammed, of course, was a prophet that uh, really united the Arab nations and uh, the tribes. And what his attempt was, was to uh, get them to turn away from idolatry to Islam. And uh, after the death of Mohammed in AD 632 the sunni uh, uh islamic uh religion began to spread very rapidly throughout the arabian um uh, uh countries and um, they um, uh began to multiply and began to spread in such a rapid pace in fact the largest religion today is muslim The fastest-growing religion today is Muslim. And so are the Islamic religion, as I might say. And that through that, that they're saying that their God has certainly approved of this religion, and that's the reason that it has uh, been successful in its growth. Well, what about our Christian teachings? What about our Christian beliefs? Well, we believe that our religion goes all the way back uh, to creation. Uh, As I said to you this morning when we were talking about the book of Genesis, that if you take away the book of Genesis, you might as well take away the rest of the Bible because the Bible talks about in the beginning God created. And down through the years, God gave us different prophets. And that through those prophets... That, uh, they, uh, their ambition and desire was to point people to the Messiah that was going to come into this world. And of course, that's what they did. And, uh, we can see over and over again of what, uh, that has, has transpired. But you know, when I began to think about our Christian faith, that, uh, Jesus was the promised seed. And that when Adam fell, Jesus came, and he became that second Adam to uh, combat the real enemy that we have here today. Our enemy is not the Muslim religion. Uh, our enemy is Satan himself. And he is taking religions, he's taking individuals, and he is certainly taking uh crisis within the world to create chaos and confusion. And so the greatest war that we know is but is not between flesh and blood, but against principalities, the rulers of darkness. And so I think that uh, that's what we need to realize. The Muslim religion, of course, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on, uh, uh, has its strong fundamentalists. Uh, you've heard of ISIS before. And the, the, these are the ones that uh, believe that Christians are infidels and they want to destroy the infidels. And therefore, we have seen great persecution. We've seen demonstration of hate and chaos and confusion because of that. But religion's history between Christians and Muslims uh, so many times have covered with blood and war, much like all human history. And um, God's name has been used on both sides, uh, between the Muslims as well as with the Christians. But uh, historians have pointed out that these holy wars that we know of today and you can trace them back. They've been several of them as you go back through, uh, history. Holy wars, uh, back, all the way back into the seventh and eighth, uh, century and the crusaders between the 11th and, uh, 12th and 13th century established of the state of Israel in, in, uh, 1948 and of course of the attack of the World Trade Center and the Gulf War. In 1991 and 2003, and many, many, many other events. But think about recently that what just t- transpired in England in the last uh, week or so. Uh, it, it has brought fear. We we hear the word terrorists, and that's exactly what they want to do. They uh, the the radical fundamentalists want to create terror and fear in the lives of people. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about uh, who is God. We're going to talk about uh, their beliefs and things of this nature. And so I'll turn it over to Brother Ken.
1: Probably the greatest contention between Islam and Christianity is uh, the fact that that Islam contends that uh, God is one. There is no other God and he does not relate to any other gods he doesn't relate to any human being he is a, uh, a totally transcendent god and he is uh, uh his oneness absolute oneness is primary okay to the muslims uh now it's interesting here that uh, uh, Allah has about 99 different names, okay, all which uh, are uh, compa- uh, are descriptive of uh, an attribute of his. But probably the two most uh, well-known are uh, the merciful and the compassionate. Now, it's interesting here that, uh, and it helps us to understand why Muslims uh, have a difficult time with uh, uh, a heart religion, okay? That because uh, God is uh, never described, or Allah is never described in uh, human family terms, like father or son, uh, uh, and so uh, he is, um, uh, the primary thing for uh, Muslims is God's will, his will is to be obeyed and um, it is uh his, his will is absolute uh it's his ultimate uh attribute and uh he is the uh, muslims final judge and they have no mediator all right they have no mediator and so uh, the best chance that a muslim has on judgment day Okay, is to have lived a life of righteousness and submission to Allah's will. Now, you know, this stands in quite a contrast to the God whom we know. We know him as the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is the triune God. He is not three gods. Uh, He is not... uh, uh, a a unit he is not just uh he is he is one god but he is a triune god a a, a god of unity in that the uh, the father son and the holy spirit are three in one as we know and have heard the trinity uh described in and so uh the primary characteristic of our god and how we know him uh, just as John says in his letter that God is love all right? and God relates to everything his creation all of his creation every human being he relates to us on the basis of his love. All right now so it's important for us to understand that uh, God doesn't simply choose to love us it's his nature. That's who he is. God just loves, and that love is what uh, it chooses to act. It, it cho- that love chooses to act on our behalf, okay, for us. So the um, uh, the for us to try to come to some understanding with the Muslim. Uh, it is a, on the uh, unity of God is a very difficult thing. When Helen and I were in Rome, we uh, uh, I uh, established a relationship with a Muslim from Egypt. And uh, he was a, a merchant marine, and uh, he was living in Italy at the time, and uh, a devout Muslim. His sons were devout Muslims, and uh, they lived in also in Rome. But he could not comprehend the fact that it was the Holy Spirit that, uh, overshadowed Mary and, uh, uh that, um, um, uh, um, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, that Mary, you know, that, and, uh, caused Mary to be, to bear, uh, the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. He was, I'm sorry? Conceived. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, conceived of the Holy Spirit. I appreciate that, Tim. Um, so, uh, and the fact that uh, that Jesus was flesh, uh, it was incomprehensible that c- he could be a God. And so, uh, this is a, a major barrier to our our trying to communicate with and come to some understanding uh, with a Muslim. And uh, the uh, it simply takes time. And the leadership of the Spirit in that Muslim's heart in order to come to some agreement. If you can reach some understanding in those things, you have made a major step and the door has been open for you to talk to them about the Gospel. So.
2: Um, the, the name of their text, uh, what they use, is called the Quran. Yeah, the Quran literally means a text to recite, all right? So they, they look at this as their scriptures, and they will do as much as they can to get into it, recite it, memorize it, um, and, and their dedication. Um, it, it's, it's amazing um, what they're, they're following here. Um, it's interesting, many prophets before Muhammad, uh, they, they think were also given Allah's word, Okay, so they believe that Moses, uh, from Allah, it came to Moses the Torah. Okay, what we what we've get, been given there. They believe that the Psalms were given to David by Allah. Okay? they also believe that the Gospel was given to Jesus, um, and and so, but the Muslims are taught that all these writings were corrupted. Okay, so that's very important to understand. They believe, they literally feel sorry for us that we're following corrupted teaching. Um, their Quran is the pure, you know, way to go. It's it's from in six ten A.D. in in Mecca that Gabriel was given words by God to give to Muhammad, and Muhammad cleared. You know, he, he wrote all this down, and um, and so that's where this all, all started. He lived 22 years after that, um, but that's when, after his death, all of these people gathered all these writings over that period and put that uh, together. Um, and it's most divine in its original Arabic form, um, and, and the Muslims memorize it recite it in only this pure language. So they, they look at all of our different translations, um, different uh, things that we have, and they just look at it as being corrupted and more corrupted and more corrupted. Um, and so, of course, we know how we got the Bible. Uh, of course, 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16, many of you know that. Uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction... For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And uh, you want to see something neat? Um, Just a little commercial here. But this Wednesday night, come out and see these children and and the Ending Awana Award Celebration. How much Scripture is being memorized by these children? It'll challenge you. You know, Um, somebody one time challenged me with this: Do you know a verse? for every year you've been alive. Could you tell me one verse for every year you've been alive? I thought, ouch, do I? Do I? I mean, I know a lot of Scripture, and I could paraphrase a lot of Scripture to you, but could I literally tell you a verse for how long I've been alive? I mean, that's a challenge to us. We need to get into the Word, memorize it, because there is a religion out there that is doing that. They're, they're learning, memorizing, and reciting that scripture. The misunderstanding is that, of course, yeah, I just said, Muslims feel sorry that we, we do this, uh, follow a corrupted book. But even among Western-educated Muslims, the great diversity of Bible versions and translations add to their belief that the Bible is corrupted. Um, and so here's the thing that you need to understand historically. Muhammad... Never criticized the Bible, and how corrupted it was. That only came after he died, and so Muhammad, Muhammad never thought that. Plus, the Quran actually points to the Bible in obeying a lot of the teachings, um, and so that's really important to understand. So, you know, if you're engaging in in a in, in a uh, conversation with a Muslim, you you could point out, well, doesn't this Quran point to? scripture and obeying some of its, its teachings um, and uh, we also see too that the Dead Sea Scrolls confirmed a lot of things that are written in the Bible and so historically you can come to a Muslim and, and talk about that as well so yeah, yeah go ahead let, let Matt come back to you there Since they believe that our scriptures are corrupted, but they also believe uh, that Abraham is their father, uh, do, does the Quran then contain its own version of Genesis and things that are in uh, the Torah up through the Old Testament? It's a good question. I was I was going to say this story for later, um, but I think it's appropriate now. I, I was over in India back in 2005, and I was sitting in a, 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 a basically a taxi. We were all being driven somewhere. We were over there for a pastor conference. It was in January, and I started seeing all these people with goats, and they were actually you know had leashes on the or ropes on these goats, and they were all going somewhere. So I asked our interpreter. I said, "Ask the taxi guy. Uh, wh- where? What's the meaning of all these goats, and where are they going?" And so they said, "Well, it's it's a Muslim, it's an Islamic thing, tradition that they'll bring this goat into the house, they'll care for it in a little while, and then they'll take it down to the." wherever it is, and they'll sacrifice these goats. And, you know, I asked, well, what are they symbolizing with that? And he he said, it's when Abraham was up on the mountain and about to sacrifice Ishmael, and God provided a ram. And I said, wait, no, that's Isaac. They believe it was Ishmael on that that altar, and for, now they'll believe Abraham is their father, but they believe it came from Ishmael. And doesn't that just give you goosebumps? Because we know that Israel came from God, the Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? But He also said there would be another nation, there would be many, you know. And so I think about like your question. They they believe Abraham, but in the Quran. I, it, because it seems like they say that the the words were given to Moses and the Torah, and Muhammad didn't question that or think it was corrupted. So where is it? And and I didn't look and in, in, investigate in the Quran if if that Ishmael part where that came in. So it leads me to believe that somewhere, maybe in the Quran, it it tells us that Ishmael was that one. But that's in direct. Contradiction to what the Bible then says, so it's it's kind of interesting. I, I, again, I don't know how to answer your question as far as in the Quran what it states. Um, but yeah, they believe that the Bible would be corrupted at that point. You know, saying, "Well, no, it's not Isaac; it was really Ishmael." You, you know, so it it has some interesting roots uh, going all the way back in history. I, I wonder then, I believe that uh, Moses was. Uh, Inspired to write if they have the equivalent of the Ten Commandments and, and the law that was given to Moses. Again, an interesting thing is Muhammad never, you know, questioned the Bible on that part, you know. And so whatever was given to him in the, that 22 years um, of formulating the Quran, um, I, you know, I'm not sure. I've even heard that in the Quran it does say if you kill the infidel, then there will be this guarantee of an eternal paradise. And we're going to get into this I know we're we're, we're jumping <laughs> jumping glory. around, but when it comes to their salvation, it's a scale, so their good deeds and their bad deeds are on the scale if If you were in that type of religion and you knew you could secure the scale, well that's the temptation to kill the infidel then so you know some people will find that morally wrong some Muslims that that don't I guess are labeled like like You were saying earlier, extremists, right? You know, they 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 won't label themselves extremists, so they'll they'll be taking the chance that my good deeds will outweigh the bad deeds, but only Allah will determine that. So you go through life not knowing um, anything secure about your salvation, and so um, yeah, it's, it's it's a roll of the dice when it comes to anything salvation wise.
0: Muslims believe that uh, Islam itself literally means submission to Allah. Um, some have referred it to as peace, and of course that. Um, uh, but the real meaning of it is is a submission to Allah, their God. And uh, as I said earlier, they've had many, many prophets uh, down through the years. Uh, in fact, some have estimated they probably have had more than one hundred and twenty-four thousand prophets down through the year, years. But the seal of the prophets was coming to the point of when Muhammad came upon the state uh, of of being, and he was commended by Allah, and uh, in, it is commended in in the Quran. Um, Muhammad was a reformer uh, there in Mecca, which was a center of uh, idol worship for many, many, many years. And there he came and he began to prophesy and he began to preach and challenge the people to forsake idolatry. And that's uh, by forsaking idolatry and then, of course, embracing Islam and uh, the Meccans began to rebel against him and rebel against the Islamic religion and literally ran them out of the uh, territory of Mecca. Uh, of course, we know now today that Mecca is a very center of their worship as they go back on that uh, uh, on that journey. Uh, Islam was spread throughout the entire Arabian Peninsula, uh, uh when only uh, a few years after muhammad's death in uh the year of 632 AD and because of his strong teachings uh he tried to uh muslims tried to follow the example of a muhammad and which was known as the trodden path or Some might would call it as their, their customs, their beliefs. And, and so in every detail as possible, they tried to follow exercising the path of Muhammad. And, uh, everything from washing their feet before prayers to as much as, uh, washing, uh, before, uh, hygienic, uh, Practices in the uh, uh, bathrooms before they uh, use the restrooms or after the restrooms, and uh, but we, as I said to you earlier, uh, they have many prophets. We've had, as we go back and we look in the Old Testament, and we see so many, many, many prophets as well concerning the Jehovah God that we serve. But their primary purpose, as you go back and study, and and you can you can read it, it's like a um, that crimson line all the way through, uh, or that red line of blood all the way through the Old Testament, uh, which is uh, uh, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, did not Christ warn in the latter days that there would be false teachers? And in the latter days that uh, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that we need to be aware of this. Uh, and so when I see what's happening in our society and in our world today, it just reminds me of the closeness of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed that uh, you take... And I say this respectfully. Have you ever noticed when you take an animal or a dog or something and maybe that he is hurt and he's pinned and you try to to approach it, he attacks? I see that's exactly what Satan is doing today. Mm. That he's got his back pinned against the wall. And Satan is attacking like he's never attacked before. And so, um, I, I just uh, look to the Lord Jesus Christ and look to the Word of God. Uh, as I said from the very beginning in our studies of different religions, <coughs> is is that this is the secret to knowing the truth of any religion. And see what they say about the Lord Jesus Christ and see what they say about these scriptures. And so... Um, I just uh, am grateful and, and, and comforted to know that through the scriptures that Christ is going to rule and
1: reign one day. Well, as you probably have um, uh, gathered... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you... well, You're, welcome yes. ask... You're welcome to ask your question.
0: Absolutely, because they are
3: fighting for the same land that Abraham had, and he had the two sons, and that we are alive today to see the results of Abraham and Sarah
0: taking things in their own way. Exactly.
1: Christianity, uh, uh, not only is the cross, of course, the cross being central, uh, that makes Christianity unique, but it's a religion of the heart. It's it's faith uh, that issues from the heart. As you probably understand by now, that Islam is a legalistic religion. Uh, Its focus is around the uh, ritual, all the ritual practices uh, of uh, Islam. And um, these are basically embodied in, in five pillars uh, of Islam. They um, And they sound um, much, there are parallels to these pillars that we'll take a look at in just a second here. But the first pillar has to do with confessing of your faith. As we know, like, as Christians, you know, for us to, to have, uh, to enter into a relationship with Christ, we must confess Jesus as Savior and Lord, all right? Well, a Muslim, in order to be uh, ad- admitted as a, a Muslim, he must confess Allah as the only God, the one God, and Muhammad as his messenger. That is the, the, the confession, and that confession must be repeated verbatim in the Arabic language. So, uh, it's, um, it's something you must memorize and be able to repeat. Uh, the uh, the second pillar is prayer. Now you've seen a lot of images uh, in the mosque and so forth, and even in other places. If a, a Muslim is a, is faithful, you'll see them at certain times during the day. You'll see them put out their roll out their little prayer mat. And they'll get on their knees and they'll bow, and they'll go through prayer. They do this five times a day. They do it uh, at dawn uh, before the sun comes up. They do it uh, at midday. They do it at mid-afternoon, and then they do it at evening before they go to bed. Uh, wait a minute, is thats is that five? What did I miss? I missed dawn, um, midday, uh, mid-afternoon, evening, sunset, and then bedtime. Okay? Those five times. And uh, those are very, it's very significant. There are ritual prayers that you must pray. During each of those times, okay. So you have to memorize those and repeat them. Wrote uh, wrote. The third um, uh, pillar is that of fasting. Uh, fasting is um, you may have heard in the news that we are now in the month of Ramadan. Well, Ramadan is the uh, month of fasting for the Muslims. Uh, they uh, from the time they arise in the morning at sun at sunrise. Until the sun sets in the evening, they can eat nothing and so they uh, reserve their uh, meals for in the more uh, in the evening after the fast is completed, and in the morning after they uh, get up and uh, they, um, uh, before the sun rises okay and so um, uh... it's uh... that's a very important uh... aspect of uh... very important pillar the other is giving of alms a muslim must give is required to give two and a half percent of his income okay to uh... the poor or to other causes and so forth in in islam uh... then the fifth pillar is uh... the pilgrimage to mecca if it's possible within your uh... ability you must make the pilgrimage to mecca the hajj what they call the hajj they go there and, uh, 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 Tim mentioned the altar of Abraham. They believe there in Mecca, that altar, Abraham's altar is there. And they must, uh, uh they must go to Mecca. They must uh, travel around that altar so many times. I don't know exactly what it is. But anyway, but that's a very significant part if you do that. Um, so those five pillars are very significant in their, the practice of their religion. There is another aspect. Uh, that is called the jihad. Now, we have heard the jihad as, as a, a very militant idea, a, a militant exercise that um, uh, extremists, uh, uh, engage in. They have to go on jihad, okay. But they're actually for a Muslim, and this is probably for, uh, 80 to 90% of Muslims, okay. The jihad can, is, uh, can be and usually is internal. It, it's a struggle. It's an internal struggle uh, of uh, you know, of, the, of the soul to do everything right. Okay, it's to do the right thing. And so in, uh, life is basically, for the Muslim, a jihad. It's a struggle for righteousness, okay, to do righteous things. Now, because it, depending on their view of Judgment Day, okay, when they stand before Allah... Okay, uh, will determine the intensity of their practices of these rituals that uh, they talked about. So uh, it's it's um, uh, a very legalistic religion, and uh, uh, which stands in qu- uh, quite in contrast to ours. You know, Jesus has given us uh, the commandments that pertain to us after we become believers not in order to become a believer all right such as repentance and belief or faith in god uh loving god with all of your heart and and praying as a lifestyle from the heart all right and uh, celebrating the lord's supper and baptism and uh giving of course and then finally and one of the things the fi- last command that jesus gave us before he rose uh, into the heavens is to make disciples so uh, stands in, in quite a contrast to uh, um, the cross for us, while it's a symbol of victory, it's also that which victory with which brought peace to our heart, okay? But for the Muslim, the cross, the Christian cross, is a military symbol. And so we you know it's a lot of it has to do with our uh, having to reconcile, uh, you know, there are, you know, uh, come to some agreement, understanding as to uh, the true meaning of the cross. So Muslim, Muslims need friends who know grace, all right, who know grace. And so that's how we can relate to them with compassion and with grace.
2: Uh, at the end of the evening, we're going to give you two brochures, but this brochure... It's interesting. I looked through this. It's called Christianity, Cults, and Religions. It has things, you know, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Wicca, New Age, a bunch of them listed here. The only two that talk about a literal hell, Christianity, Islam. The rest of them... You know, just you cease to exist. You know, there's all these, you know, other beliefs. Outer darkness, all these things. But Islam, if your scale and Allah is not merciful to you, there is a literal hell. Um, And so, while there's not salvation in Islam, there's mercy. So, the question is, I come... To your house, I steal some things, you know, do a lot of damage to your house. You find out it was me. I come back to you, I'm so sorry. I, I was just not in a right state of mind at that point. Would you forgive me? What, 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 do I, what, what could I ask you? What can I do to make it up to you? That, folks, is religion. That is binding ourselves back to God. We have essentially hurt God, and we need to do the work to get back to God. God, what can I do to make it up to you? The pillars that you just heard is their way of tipping the scales in a way that I can get mercy from Allah. Christianity believes Jesus came to give us grace, something that we could never get back to God. That's what makes the gift so great of salvation. But they can't understand that in their mind. And and you know people, probably that the biggest barrier to them becoming Christians is, it can't be that easy. It can't be, I've got to do something to get myself back to God. What is it Do I ha- that I have to do to get back to God? Well, this is all making sense now, because Islam teaches that it's only up to Allah, and if the scales are in the right place, you might get mercy. Here's the other thing. You don't refer to God as a father. They don't understand the relational part of that. Um, it, it's, as Ken said, they don't understand how Jesus could be conceived and how it he could be a human, you know, God is God, and he's up there. That's, that's, so, so when you look at a father or relationship, it's unacceptable. Plus, here's, here's the interesting thing, thought that people have. This is, catch this. In the Western world, the view of fathers in parenting trends more toward permissiveness and love, more love than discipline. In the Eastern world it's more the opposite. It's more discipline. It's more authoritarian than love. But see, God, as a, a perfect father, he wants both love and discipline. So that's what we ought to be going after. So you can now imagine kids that are growing up that are Muslim in in the the United States, and a, a friend witnesses say, "Hey, why don't you come to my church?" Well, I may not be able to go to your church because that's not what my family believes. Well, come to my church, just try it out. Okay, I'll go. I'll maybe sneak out. I'll tell my parents something, and and an, and a Muslim would would go to a church, maybe get saved. To be so bold as to go back home and say I'm a Christian now, what happens? The Father says, you're not my child anymore. Get out of my house. Okay? Because it's more discipline than love. And they don't understand the grace and the mercy. They don't understand salvation um, through a Savior that would come, be a a human, and that kind of thing. So, um, again, what Brother Kelly said earlier, the litmus test is who do you say that Jesus is? You know, and... um, Islam would say he's a prophet, not the son of God. So. But.
0: One of the distinctives of the uh, Islam faith is the women. And when you think about the women, what do you think of? Control. Control. They're controlled. They're no, freedom. no freedom. Treated bad. Treated bad. Abused. Abused. Multiple wives, absolutely. They believe that uh, polygamy. Uh, they believe that uh, one could have up to as many as four to five wives. Each wife has to be treated um, uh, equally. Um, but yet, the Quran speaks of the woman that she is to be protected and that she is to be satisfied in her culture. Now, we view the Muslim woman from the Western culture, which is vastly different than their culture. They would not agree with you what you just got through saying by being abused or uh, some of the things that you're saying. They were saying that they're protecting their wives and their women from the western culture because the western culture is sinful and that uh, that's why you see the garb that, that they uh cover up everything except their face and uh they're protecting themselves and uh muslim women uh do not need to wear that garb or that veil when they're with their own uh, family in their own privacy, uh, or with their with other women, uh, but uh, uh, only when they're in the presence of in a public setting. Um, Christians believe, of course, that that men and women are equal. Uh, they believe that uh, 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 we both were created in the image of God and that uh, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives and that through that relationship that we uh, appropriate the world and that uh, we fulfill God's will for our lives. Now, The Bible does speak that a woman should dress modestly. The Bible does speak that we are to uh, certainly stand strongly against the values of this world. They believe that uh, the closer you come to the standards of this world and the Western society, the more corrupt you become. And so... um, Uh, So we understand that uh, certainly (laughs) the looseness of morality brings about immorality. And uh, we have to be very, very careful. Western values conflict with Muslims regarding women perhaps more than any other category. As you really stop and you think about it. Several problems in Muslim societies in regards to women. Uh, however, secularism and women's liberations have brought the Christian West several problems, as we have talked about and as we has, uh, as we have recognized today. And so, societies long do- dominate by Islam have problems which needs to be addressed. But Christians needs to first of all address their own problems and address their own issues. And I think that we need to be careful about that. Yes, Mike.
4: You mentioned that. this is like if, uh, if Muslim, the practice of Muslim men were to go up to Virginia Beach right now during the summer and uh, would see you know, women in bikinis and stuff like that, they think they're justified in whatever they do to that woman, whether they rape them or whatever they do, because she brought it on herself by the way she's, she's dressed. She's not being a modest, you know. Mm-hmm. She's acting the part, so they do what they, they think they're justified. They don't. Well, I, I really, I well, in my heart, I don't think that they think they're justified. I think they use it as an excuse, just like they just they don't really think they're. Just, they know the laws of our country or of a Western world, so but they but they use that all over the place. That's why when when we go to their countries, when I was in the navy and stuff, it's like the women that would get stationed, the women that would go with their families or get stationed there, they had to. Uh, they had to wear shirts with sleeves and stuff like that, and they weren't allowed to go to certain beaches. Or There was only a couple of beaches that they could go to. They're
0: where they, part of their body, I mean, yeah. should be shown. Yeah, and, and it's just uh,
4: it's a, it's a double standard, too. And the Muslim men in Bahrain, I don't know if anybody knows about the Bahrain, but Bahrain's a little place that's got a lot of banking and stuff in it. But Bahrain is where the – we all knew it in the Navy. Bahrain is where the Saudi men go. To, to get loose. In other words, because there's Western-style <clears throat> excuse me, women there, and they got alcohol there, which they don't have in their country. So they didn't go over there and do all that stuff, and then go back home and act like nothing happened.
0: That's mm. true.
2: A, a, a quick story on um, the – finishing up the women part. I, I remember a long time ago seeing a, uh, on one of the news stations, Barbara Walters was over there interviewing some of these women, uh, Muslim women. And she said, she made the comment, the, you, you women always stand behind the men as they're walking. They're always in front of you. Um, do, do you find that offensive? And, and, you know, that kind of thing. And the, the lady said, no, I don't find that offensive. One word, landmines. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <We're good. laughs> we probably need to move on to the do's and the don'ts. Okay. Yeah, let's go on. Well, um, as we wrap up tonight,
2: um, okay. on these pamphlets that we've been handing out to you, they always give you some, um, some advice on what to do, what not to do. And so we're just going to roll through those real quick as we finish out tonight. But um, one thing they uh, advise you, do make it clear that you are a follower of Christ by, by your loving words and righteous lifestyle. Um, but don't assume your Muslim friend understands your meaning of Christian. Um, I'm telling you, the, the Eastern world thinks we are Christian. And what's being sent to them in Hollywood videos and movies, they think is Christian. So don't assume uh, they know your meaning of Christian. Uh, but do take time to build relationships with them. Practice hospitality. Um, and don't be surprised if you're rejected at first. Um, here, here's an interesting, interesting practical thing. It's best to offer a Muslim friend store-bought sweets and to avoid anything with pork or alcohol. So if you're inviting some Muslim friends over uh, to your home or that kind of thing, and, and uh, make sure you do that uh, or don't do that. Do approach your encounters um, as a learner and ask questions. Um, but don't take notes and, and treat Muslim friends like an academic project. So, you know, learn from them, but... Um, Do correct their misunderstandings of your belief, and don't argue with them. Um, Do talk about Jesus. Um, Use his title. I'm going to mess this up, but Isa al-Masih, which I wonder, Messiah. I kind of like that, but anyway. um, Don't insult the prophet uh, Muhammad. Um, Do pray out loud with your Muslim friends. Ask if you can pray for their practical needs, like healing or worries, Um, Look for opportunities and pray in Jesus' name. But don't start your prayer like we talked about, Father. Um, They they don't understand that. They don't believe that. Um, They have that misunderstanding about fatherhood. Um, And so avoid that. I think it's interesting
0: that your hands and your arms are very important as you communicate with the uh, Muslims. Uh, do use your right hand in giving and receiving gifts. And the cause of that is that you do not use your left hand for eating food, especially when you're uh, learning to eat with your hands, because the left hand is used for the toilet, and the right hand is to be used for the eating. And, of course, uh, do treat your bible with respect and certainly um, store high on a shelf of uh of, of, of some beautiful wrap clothing around the uh, our cloth around uh, around the bible that they they respect very highly don't allow any compromise situation uh even just to protect them from possible rumor and there are, Proverb says a man and a woman alone together are three with the devil, and so that's probably a lot of truth to that point. So, be uh, gender sensitive, interact with man to man and woman to woman, and so you have to be careful with that aspect as well.
2: So, um,
4: we have in the, here in the United States. I think I think it's very important that we have to. Uh, we we got to get a. On our children, we, we got to make sure that when they leave us that that, that they're filled with Christ because I, I know people in my neighborhood have asked these kids if they could go to church or I've asked their parents if they go. They said, well, uh, we think they're too young for church, and when they get older, they'll be able to make their own decision. Well, when they get out there, they're not going to have anything in them, and Islam is a very attractive religion for the young kids, and, and, and it's drawing quite a few in. Into them, because like you say, it's based on works. It's, it's things they can do, things they can see, tangible things. And um, and right now they have a lot of sympathy and stuff, especially in the United States here. It's not like they're invading us. We're asking them to come in. We're opening our arms, inviting them. Hey, yeah, we'll give you special places and all this stuff. So we really need to know the word ourselves so we can dialogue with someone. If they ask you a question, we need to be able to answer. I mean, or at least be able where we can find it in the scripture. And uh, it's the same with our kids. if our kids go out there and they don't know, know anything it, it, or their minds are blank
1: it's it's leaving them open for bad bad stuff. Tim mentioned a little bit ago you know, about uh, the landmines, you know, women walking behind their husbands and so forth. You know it's a, a case in most cultures, most other countries that you go into, there are certain words you don't use. Certain descriptions and so forth for even parts to your automobile and so forth that we don't think anything of today, but uh, wow, you got to watch out. Um, the uh, same thing holds in the Muslim country. Uh, they are very um, uh, cha- well not chase. Uh, what's a uh, pure purity and uh, ethical behavior. Uh those kinds of things that protect their community, protect their women, protect each other are extremely important and so it's uh, uh, you remember uh, the comment that Vice President Pence made the other day about uh, he would not go out to lunch with another woman he would not a business lunch even, and he drew a lot of criticism for that. Well, the Muslims would have understood that they would have understood that comment see? so um, the thing uh, a thing like, you know, you don't sit uh, so that the sole of your foot or your shoe is facing someone. Okay. That's uh, And women, you don't look at another man. If your eyes happen to engage another man, you quickly look away. All right. So, you know, practicing modesty and uh, uh, those kinds of things are, uh, we need to really be sensitive to that, which we should be anyway as Christians. We shouldn't have any difficulty with those kinds of things. But don't assume that Muslims think the same way that you do. Even if they look like you or dress like you, right? So.
0: We've just, yes.
3: just want to comment on two things that have been said from our panel uh, the first pastor is one you made in your very op- first opening remarks about you know what we see with in our perspective of the Muslim world that about 80% thereabouts of the people really don't know that I remember back 30 years ago uh, um I oh, don't know, I've pulled a blank on his name, Dr. Ron Hawkins at uh, Liberty University. He was talking about some things that were going on then, and he made the comment, and it's, it's a good standard, I think, that we need to keep in mind when we're forming our opinions. What you hear and what you see un- is usually the radical fringes and not representative of the majority because if it was representative of the majority it would not be newsworthy and uh, so what we are seeing uh, on both sides all the way around the world I mean what applies to them applies to us we're seeing their radical fringes they're seeing our radical fringes and they think the radical fringes from us that they're seeing like the Hollywood and all that they think every one of us are like that and that's not true and you need to realize that when all this is going on that's not to downplay the errors of their belief or anything because even with their you know their run-of-the-mill everyday Muslim who does not go for all this violence that their radical fringes are creating they're still not believing correctly but there's a vast difference between that and the radicalism that we are seeing in the news. Second thing I want to comment on is, Tim, adding to your commercial uh, about, you know, them memorizing and knowing their scripture and repeating it daily and all, how important it is for us as Christians to do that. And you mentioned the Iwana program to come and see. From kindergarten up... The number of verses a child memorizes increases, and in kindergarten, when they finish their book, they have memorized 23 verses. I'm not going to give the total count for this year until Wednesday night, but it is amazing how many verses have been learned this one year in Iwana. The uh, fifth, sixth grade books have about 37 verses they have to memorize and do application work for. And believe me, these children know the verses when they get through, because they don't get them just one time during the club year. Once they get it, it's constantly reviewed along with the new verses. So, um, adults, we challenge you to do the same thing before you get too old that your brain can't handle it.
0: Yes.
5: I want to go back to what Judy was talking about, about... uh, Isaac and uh, Ishmael and the child of faith versus the child of not not faith, right? Because what I've read read some things a little bit about the Islamic religion, and what I've read is they believe that they will dominate the world, but that they will eventually be dominant, and that they are. They many people believe that the Antichrist would come through the uh, Islamic religion because it is. It is getting so big. And maybe, I don't know if there's any truth, but the people who do get into that and then they go into that radical part thinking, I'm going to speed up this dominating the world. But this is some things that I've read. And when she said what she said, it does seem to make a connection that the Antichrist and the Christ the child of faith, and the antichrist, and the parallels. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off, no, or I, maybe I have something. I, I don't you're, know.
2: You're, you're right. Um, th- there was um, somebody I was talking to at Trail Days. He's a missionary that goes over to Ghana, Africa, uh, once a quarter, and he's seeing Muslim churches raised, and, and he's seeing Christianity raised. And in Ghana, it's a peaceful thing. For them, it's not radical yet. Um, but there was a man that was talking to him who was Islamic. He said, we, we will overtake the world. And he, he looked at him and said, what do you mean? He said, well, look at all the children we're having. Yeah. They, they're having multiple wives, and they're having multiple children from those six and seven and eight. You know, They're going to grow in a, a few generations to be dominant just by what they're teaching in, in children. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right uh, they certainly believe in having children for to extend the, their religion and, uh, and that as you can see after, as brother Tim mentioned um, a few generations it will dominate and so um, unless, Christ unless Christ comes first amen I vote for that.
4: In Europe right now, there are several countries that are really bad shape: Russia, France, England. What's going to happen? They're not making enough kids to sustain themselves. The only reason we are in the United States, I was looking at these numbers the other day. The only reason we're making enough kids to sustain our culture is because of the the kids that are coming from Hispanic families that are coming across legally or illegally. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be making enough kids to sustain our culture. So, so, we, so we think about that, and sometimes I wonder, is that, is that not – if we hadn't aborted all the children we've aborted in the last 40 years, we'd have enough, maybe enough people or enough families making kids here to have our
0: things up. Well, our time has uh, run out. Thank you for coming. Uh, next week, you're going to be talking about uh,
4: denominations and the, Baptist faith and yeah, the
0: Baptist faith and message and the different uh, denominations and, and, the Damascus report. and the Damascus report. That's right. Okay, well, let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing us to come together tonight. Thank you for allowing us to know the truth. And Lord, we pray that as we know the truth, that we'll share the truth. Help us, dear Lord, to be able to be uh, witnesses and disciples for you for the cause of the Christ that we serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.